Welcome to AJHP Voices, now comprising interviews on contemporary pharmacy issues and discussions with AJHP authors. The service was formerly known as AJHP Podcasts. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. Hello, this is Pamela Shea. I'm assistant editor at AJHP. I'm speaking today with Susan Skadar. She's a clinical pharmacy specialist at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center and associate professor, School of Pharmacy, University of Pittsburgh. Also joining us today is Andrew Dudines, who is pharmacy manager at University of Pittsburgh Medical Center Cancer Center. Their paper titled Building an Outpatient Cancer Center Pharmacy Program Across a Tri-State Region will be published in our January 15th issue of AJHP. Thanks for joining us. Getting started, why did the University of Pittsburgh want to write this story or why was this story developed? In looking at our pharmacy services across our UPMC hospitals, we had a need really about four years ago, maybe even a little longer than that, to do some expansion in a fairly creative way across our oncology network. And our health system was expanding in that some of our outpatient physician offices were coming under the hospital's licensure and becoming hospital-based clinics. And once that happens, the clinics are basically under the auspices of the Joint Commission and all the other regulatory avenues that mean a pharmacist has to be integrated into that, the care delivery model in those centers. So we, it was really a long process that Andy and Brian Urich, our pharmacy director, worked together to do over a few years' span of time. And we thought it was a a really important and interesting clinical service expansion here at UPMC and also a really interesting story of being creative with resource utilization and technology to try to figure out direct pharmacist involvement and indirect pharmacist involvement across all of these cancer centers. We wanted to share that with other sites that may be having to do a similar kind of expansion project. Yeah, and to Sue's point, I think one of the most important things was the the creative use of the technologies to make the program possible. Of course, in a you know an acceptable period of time, so we could move quickly without creating a major delay for this important program. So, speaking of the technology, obviously this isn't something that would have been possible maybe a couple of decades ago. What have your experiences been with some of the new technology that's made this possible? Certainly one of the biggest things was um, having an integrated network where we were able to share information, both clinical and uh, operational information on a daily basis with associates in different sites through our computer system. Utilizing a couple existing technologies and software, namely like the Outlook system with Microsoft and with our uh, in-house computer systems to manage clinical information and prescriptions, we were able to tie in a number of sites quickly and provide pharmacist oversight from a central location and also from remote areas. To your point, without that technology available, we wouldn't have uh, been able to accomplish this. It would have been cost prohibitive to service some of the smaller sites without having this technology available. So from a practical perspective, what kind of timeline were you dealing with once a private practice was determined to be joining the pharmacy program? 
Timelines for um, converting a private practice into a hospital-based clinic, some of them were self-imposed. Some of them were uh, determined by the constraints that we had for um, the Department of Health. The Department of Health really is the governing body that approves a hospital-based clinic. They have some actual physical requirements of the clinic itself, things like restroom facilities, the number of sinks, mostly sanitary things that need to be addressed, but they actually have some spelled out physical limitations. Sometimes that would dictate, because we had some remodeling that had to be done within the clinic prior to being uh, it converting to a hospital-based clinic, we did in general have certainly time pressures. We did not have uh, an unlimited budget or, or window because many of the resources were being pulled from other operation lines to support these conversions. So most of the time we had a lead of anywhere from two months to three months that included if there had to be a recruiting effort for any um, pharmacists uh, and other any, any other personnel that were needed for the hospital-based clinic. So there was some leeway. You certainly uh, have the freedom to tell the Department of Health when you want to convert a clinic to being hospital-based, but certainly we did have some of our own internal time constraints and pressures to perform in a certain amount of time. Basically, the, the main issue being pulling resources from other departments who are obviously uh, needed for other things when this, uh, this, this conversion is completed. I see. What were some of the key learning lessons that were picked up while this program was being developed? I think one of the key learning lessons was we had a great deal of structural changes with technology and also just operational procedure, but also learning that um, the culture and the changes that would occur within the cancer center. Many of our sites had been private practice for a long time, so the integration of the pharmacist in that role proved to be a very valuable piece, and the, 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 I, I very much appreciate UPMC seeing the value in that, but keeping in mind that the pharmacist was brand new to many of these private practices and uh, those changes in the culture, you know, that was a learning lesson that we were very keen to at the beginning and we anticipated it would be a challenge, but that's certainly something to keep in mind that, you know, smooth running operations that had been running for a number of years and were very successful, bringing in a whole new complexity to the system, keeping those challenges in mind um, certainly was a learning lesson, I think, for us. Would you say that this change in culture was one of the most difficult aspects of integrating these different practice sites? I don't know if it was the most difficult. I think the most difficult was the technology and being able to move information, clinical data, and the actual prescriptions themselves across the different sites. I think that was the most challenging. The cultural piece I bring up because it was one of the more interesting ones. We had some uh, practices and physicians who certainly at the beginning were questioning the need for pharmacy oversight. I'm glad to report that those types of practices were some of the more successful. Um, it's just an interesting aspect of it's easy to focus on all the technology pieces. It's just for me personally a learning to uh, keep in mind that there's still also the entire culture that you have to keep in mind of the people who do the work every day. So if you were going to do this all over again, uh, what would you do differently or what advice do you have to someone else who might be initiating a program like this? Certainly, it's difficult in the healthcare environment with limited resources to do, you know, a great deal of planning, but 
We did do some cross-functional teams and meetings to try and bring in all the different disciplines, nursing, physician uh, champions, pharmacy, obviously. More of that would be better. It is hard when you have a a diverse network of uh, physically diverse locations, you know, to get everybody on the same page at the same time. So we did have a great deal of support from the physician leadership and the champions within the cancer center. I don't know if I would do that much more differently. I would just keep in mind of the importance of having those people um, involved from the very beginning, as much lead time as possible when implementing a process like that. Certainly, they see the great value, and, and we have, have had some really nice accolades from our uh, partners about having the addition of the pharmacist into the clinics with nursing and the physicians, but keeping in mind that these stakeholders are uh, such an important part of the entire process the earlier and the more input you can pull in from those folks, the better. That's great. So where do you see this Cancer Center Pharmacy Program moving in the future? UPMC Cancer Center continues to do some growth. Um, We are certainly um, having converted the overwhelming majority. We have some very small clinics who remain private practice. I see us moving forward as we grow in additional sites and additional business. We have looked at our pharmacists being involved more in some of the other aspects um, that are done in the clinics, anticoagulation management for those physicians who perform that as part of their practice, having the pharmacist more involved in patient teaching, not only for uh, the outpatient IV chemotherapy, but also for their oral chemotherapy agents that they are taking at home. Those seem to be some really valuable pieces that, um, you know, as this whole project matures, you know, we're identifying more areas that the pharmacist can be involved in. Again, wouldn't be possible without, you know, the buy-in and feedback from our partners uh, in nursing and physician services. But just uh, to continue to expand the scope of the pharmacist and the different clinics, I think is really where we're going to be headed in the future. And Pamela, if I could add into what Andy was speaking about from a, even a broader program perspective, the model that Andy and Brian and the oncology pharmacists have figured out how to do, which is everything from, you know, the technology issue to the physician and nursing collaborative issue, plus, you know, just the logistics of remote order verification, um, all those kinds of things really almost has opened the door for possibilities of other kinds of service expansions like this at UPMC pharmacy across our health system is across 15 hospitals now. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we learn from what Andy and his group were able to do and think about how we could do a similar kind of thing with other kinds of programs, not really from a regulatory impetus like this one was, but just from a clinical service expansion and share resources. That's really helped us think about that kind of thing because oncology has been so successful. I see towards the end of the paper, there was mention of a pilot program um, involving formalized education. Is that kind of service what you're talking about? It could be that. I mean, I think what we were referring to was more so for the training that the pharmacists receive, because it's pretty standardized, right, Andy? When the new pharmacists come in, they go through a pretty rigorous program. It is. We 
certainly do an evaluation of new candidates based on their background. But in general, to Sue's point, we do have a standard program, obviously, with the day-to-day operational pieces and how the technology works, to including both classroom and also uh, one-on-one training with the clinical aspects of processing and, and managing our oncology patients. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Again, this has been Pamela Shea, Assistant Editor at AJHP, and I've been speaking with Susan Sladar and Andrew Dudines from the University of Pittsburgh. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org.